And true crime has captured the attention and curiosity of people for ages. And a hundred years ago, prohibition was happening. Organized crime boomed. And Al Capone from the Chicago Outfit was a true boss. And to share more, a lot more about Capone's story and his connection to Wisconsin are the duo who created a new documentary. It is my pleasure to welcome to the WTMJ studio my Milwaukee PBS teammates, producer Brian Ewig and producer Tracy Newman. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us, Sandy. I am thrilled that you could join me on a Friday night. Well, you couldn't have gotten here last Friday, walking yeah. through the snowstorm. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> we had to have snowshoes to get here. <laughs> Truly. What is the name of your new documentary that will be world premiering on Milwaukee PBS this month? El Capone, Prohibition in Wisconsin. Prohibition, dry January. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of goes with that. But it's fascinating if you think it was 100 years ago that Prohibition was happening and it has left such an impact. What is it that inspired the two of you to create this documentary? Well, I think the documentary comes from um, two things. It comes from my love of history. And um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm obsessed with film noir, old old movies and uh that's kind of where the inspiration came from and then you know with all that history here that we have with the breweries and milwaukee and this in the city it just seemed like a slam dunk and then the more and more we dug into it you know we got these al capone everyone's got an al capone story once you start talking about prohibition so really everyone everyone drove cars for al capone everyone you know had a had a place for al capone everyone al capone was at this bar one time so you know, it was a lot of weeding out, that kind of stuff. But once we found that Al Capone angle, um, we really started honing in on that. And um, it wasn't until we found up in Manitowish Waters, the Manitowish Waters Historical Society, um, Babe Hawkinson had just um, handed them 20, 30 years of correspondence between her grandfather and Al Capone. She was going through letters um, for when her mother died found all these letters. Hey, friend, it's me, Al Capone. How oh, my are you? gosh. Do you have any of that moonshine I was looking for? Can you send it down to Milwaukee? That's crazy because you would think, you know, I mean, he was so successful. You do that. Be- you're so successful because you cover your tracks. Absolutely. And, you know, and they said if that letter had that letter not been sitting in this woman's in babe's house for for 70, 80 years, this letter could have impl- implemented him for moonshine, you know, for, for all those crimes that they never were able to get him for. This would have been that evidence. Uh, yeah, because they were only able to get him on, it was a tax evasion? Tax evasion, yeah. My gosh, uh, I have a clip from Babe. Would you like me to, to, like to hear a little bit of Babe? Absolutely, yeah. Al Capone was coming up for a particular reason, to look for property. So my grandfather overlooked to an extent, overlooked his business end and looked at this as a opportunity, one, to sell property, but also looked at it as a friendship. That was a secret that was kept, and it was kept because of my grandparents. I think that shows to who they were and why he felt as he did to come up north with his friends and felt safety. He must have felt trusting and safe, like I said, to to write those those letters, that is still, that just is fascinating to me. And to hear the language that he used, dear my friend Bill. Oh, dear my friend Bill, thank you. know, it was always, there were letters where he was, he was buying rocking horses for their children. And he was saying, how is your son? How is that little slugger doing? I would like to be a manager for his baseball team. 
These are the kind of letters that Al Capone is writing. It was an incredible find to find these letters after all these years. And this is a way to keep history alive when you really are telling stories instead of just memorizing dates and locations and facts. Like this really humanizes somebody who, you know, just became this almost just a character, a cartoon type character who, and I don't mean cartoon, but, you know, just this larger than life figure, I guess, instead of a person who, you know, just became this mafioso character. Yeah, that was what was really interesting to find these things that people really didn't know about and then to bring them out so the public now knows, you know, firsthand what kind of a, a person he was. Well, do you have any Capone questions for our two producers from Milwaukee PBS, Brian Ewig and Tracy Newman in this WTMJ studio with me? You're welcome to join this conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line, that number 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Digging in deeper to the new documentary on Milwaukee PBS, Al Capone, Prohibition and Wisconsin. And so the whole uh, prohibition thing, once again, drives it underground, but it becomes profitable for men like Al Capone. Why? Because they control that. And they control the distribution, the shipping, and the movement. That is a quote from the new Milwaukee PBS documentary called Al Capone, Prohibition and Wisconsin. And the duo who created this documentary are in the WTMJ studio with me, Milwaukee PBS producers Brian Ewig and Tracy Newman. And who did we just hear from in that clip explaining really the power shift that Prohibition created in the 1920s? Yeah, that's Milton Dockery. He is a history professor at Milwaukee Area Technical College. Uh, so we spoke with him and a number of other historians. And what were some of his insights in the documentary that is airing in January on Milwaukee PBS? Milton spoke a lot about um, the immigrants uh, that were here and how that you know led to prohibition, um, because that's his specialty. Yeah, I think it's important when you talk about prohibition, you can't simply start with uh, prohibition happened. I mean, there, there's an explanation why why this happened. And, you know, a lot of times in the United States, when laws are passed, they're reactionary. I mean, they're they're in reaction to things that are happening. So you have to you have to, everything is in context, especially with history. So you have to look at everything in context. What was going on in the world at the time? You had World War One going on. You had a lot of immigrants coming over from Europe, from those parts because of the, you know, the persecution, the famine, the the wars going on. So you had a lot of those Eastern Europeans coming over to the country. And then why did they immigrate to Milwaukee? And then why were these prohibitionary laws ultimately enforced? And um, we ended up doing, there's a, in relation to this documentary, there's a seven part web series on prohibition in the city of Milwaukee. And that really gets into the history specifically of the city and how the breweries really reacted to prohibition and, a lot more of that history. I say some breweries made ice cream. I knew that part. Yep, Pap, Paps <laughs> also made some cheese. So there's quite a bit of great stories there, and there's a lot of that history that still remains. So that was a really fun part to tell as well, because like I said, you can't just start with Al Capone and Prohibition. You really need a little more context to that. I love that you also have the digital aspect that you know because you've got a half hour documentary. I mean, that blows my mind that there's. It has to be meaty and filled with information. So I love that you can also create shorter videos and still tell different angles of the story, especially how it relates to, to right here in Wisconsin. I mean, one of the, what's one of the biggest revelations that each of you individually had as you were creating this documentary about Al Capone? Um, for me, it, making the cold call to Diane Capone, it was uh, Al Capone's granddaughter. Um, talking to her, she was really nice. She was very candid about her grandfather. She didn't make him out to be a hero. 
Um, she was very honest. So I liked her right away. And that, that was pretty neat just, just to know that, you know, she, that's her grandfather. And that's going to be an interesting truth to accept. You know, a lot of us talk about, well, okay, we've got skeletons in the closet. Well, this skeleton's out dancing around and everybody knows (laughs) your connection to it. And you you can't hold her accountable for things her grandfather did. And and you can't expect her to answer to those things. That's not fair. You know, and so... And she would have had a very different relationship with him as a granddaughter. Yes. So her relationship with with her grandfather is he passed away when she was four years old. So she has those memories of him as as a grandfather. A lot of people have very fond memories of their grandparents at that age. Um, a lot of these stories she ends up telling are Al Capone's wife, May, ended up living well into her 70s. So um, Diane and May ended up conversing quite a bit over those 30 years, and that's how she compiled all of these family stories that she shared with us. <laughs> I wonder if she had letters like uh, like Babe's grandfather did. <laughs> <laughs> no, although it was interesting. We, we had the screening the other night, and Babe said, I really need to talk to Diane. I need to hook up, and we need to, to form that bond again from multiple generations back. So I think that'd be great for them to hook up and talk about and... Because they have an understanding that really no one else has. Exactly. And most of the people that knew him are no longer around. That would be fascinating. Can you make that happen? Yeah. That, you can also film that. That would make yeah, a the great... the cameras will be there. We'll yeah, be there. that's a great documentary, a great podcast to have Babe, the granddaughter of the old realtor, and and, and to have the... the the granddaughter of Al Capone. That would be fascinating. How I, I want to talk more, Brian, about your revelation, but tell me how last night was the big premiere, a big preview event. How did that go? Where was it and how did it go? Yeah, that was um, actually at the best place. Uh, ironically, we had the showing at, you know, former brewery. So that was pretty cool. Um, we had a, a full house and really appreciated everybody coming out. Everybody um, seems to be very excited about it. So, yeah. Well, best place at Pabst Brewery is such a unique space. And you talk about loving history, Brian and Tracy. Like, yet again, another great way to bring history to life. Yeah, in all that the space. renovation they've done in that building is amazing. That rich woodwork you see all over that building is fantastic. And the paintings, yeah, yeah. That's, that's truly historic. I love that the two of you are using the art and the magic of video to keep this history alive and draw people in. So want to know more about the Al Capone Prohibition and Wisconsin documentary on Milwaukee PBS. Again, if you have questions or comments, you're welcome to join us on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. More with Milwaukee PBS's Brian Ewig and Tracy Newman next on What's on Tap. You're listening to What's on Tap with Sandy Max on WTMJ. I am Sandy Max, and I am thrilled that you are joining me on a Friday night. And this is a show about culture and creativity here in Wisconsin and around the world. And we're learning about Wisconsin's significance to a world-renowned <laughs> member of organized crime, gangster Al Capone. Very famous. And Milwaukee PBS is going to premiere a brand new documentary called Al Capone, Prohibition and Wisconsin on January 29th, and joining me in the studio are the duo who created this and friends of mine, Tracy Newman and Brian Ewig. And I'm so glad that you're both here. Now, Tracy, I asked you about your biggest revelation in producing this documentary. And for you, it was actually just picking up the phone and calling Al Capone's granddaughter. Absolutely. 
<laughs> yeah, and how she was nice. She was I, right away. I said, Brian, we've got to go interview her. I like her. <laughs> she reminded me of my grandma. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Which is yeah. a very wonderful way to work, but just very warming, quite yeah. unexpected. Yeah, and I, you know, you just kind of have an image in your head, I suppose, when you pick up the phone about who's going to answer. So I'm delighted that she was open and welcoming and helped you create this documentary by providing such great content and true history of her experience. Brian, what was the biggest revelation for you? Well, I think right off the bat, like I said, they had that correspondence between Al Capone and Bill Sell. But along with that, from the um, Manitowish Waters Historical Society, there's about seven images of Al Capone up in this cabin in Manitowish Waters, hanging out with his buddies, shooting guns, pointing guns, and just goofing around. And it's incredible. Casual owl. Absolutely. And that is the definitive proof that he was up there. He was here. He was at this cabin. It, so that was really cool to see. What are some of the other connections to Prohibition Wisconsin that you think are really important to tell? As far as the economy or the culture or how it affected, like you said, immigrants coming the, yeah, I mean, there's so I, many layers. I think there's still quite a bit of lessons that can be learned um, from Prohibition. Um, one of the interesting things is that in 1927, actually, a number of years before Prohibition was repealed nationally, we actually, through a referendum, pulled our um, the Severson Act, which was the act enforcing Prohibition statewide. So by 1928, we were producing beer again, while the rest of the nation was still... And, and, you know, uh, states' rights. So we were, people from Illinois were coming up here to get their booze, just like now people are going down to Illinois to get up, you know, to get other to get things. Ca- marijuana, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So there's quite a bit of lessons still. It is fascinating what happens 100 years ago that's still okay, pretty much the same. Or, you know, different, different substances, but yep. you're right, you can see that. And I love that... Again, half-hour documentary, so much in it that there's still more more stories to tell. If you go to milwaukeepbs.org, there are extras from this, including the 18th Amendment that you're talking about, the survival of the breweries that you're talking about, uh, the Lake Geneva region. How is that different than the Manitowish Waters region yeah. for Al Capone? So if you go to Lake Geneva, um, we're told that, you know, the, the talk of the town is that um, allegedly the feds raided the Como Hotel, uh, Lake Como Hotel, and they um, threw the slot machines into Lake Como. So we actually went out on a boat <gasps> with a a couple of divers and a maritime historian um, who has sonar, right? And so we went looking for those slot machines and um, haven't told anyone. We won't even tell our managers what we what was found or not found. So when that one drops, you'll find out if if they found if we found the slot machines or not. That is a great tease. <laughs> that is on MilwaukeePBS.org. It will premiere. January 30th, that digital extra called Lake Geneva Region. Uh, But we want to make sure everyone can enjoy this brand new documentary, Al Capone and Prohibition in Wisconsin. It will premiere Monday, January 29th on Channel 10 at 8 o'clock and again at 930. Are you going to have a viewing party at your place? I... I've heard other people are. (laughs) So maybe, you know what, maybe we'll tend somebody else's. (laughs) But what does it feel like? You know, it's, it must have been great to watch it and with a group last night at the premiere event at Best Place, at, at, especially at Paps Brewery. 
What is it like for you as creators and filmmakers to feel that communal experience as people watch it? Yeah, just to, you know, see the joy and um, the interest in other people that that that's, you know, why we love doing this is is, um, you know, we have a way of impacting the community and um, that's so satisfying. Yeah. And, you know, art is such a subjective thing and you just hope along the whole process, you, you hope you're doing the right thing. You, you think you're doing the work that people are going to really enjoy. You don't really know until you get to that screening. So it's really satisfying to hear that people enjoyed it. People learned from it. I mean, my favorite thing is when someone says, I learned something from it. And, you know, as being a history person, I love I love it when someone could say, I learned something from that. And enjoyed learning it yep. because you're creating this documentary in an engaging, entertaining way. And how long have you been working on this project? Oh, my goodness. Well, we started this. We finished a shipwrecks documentary and said we were going to take some time off. Well, we, we took about two days off and decided, well, we have to do something else. So that was right before COVID because that aired at the end of February and that was right before COVID. So we've actually started um, working on this uh, February of 2020 and never would have taken that long. But there was just so many travel restrictions and, as you know, everything else. So um, it's it's been about four years in the making. Well, excited to have it premiere on January 29th on Milwaukee PBS. You can find out all the details and catch up on those digital extras at milwaukeepbs.org. Brian Ewig, Tracy Newman, thank you so much for being here and uh, keep up the great work at Milwaukee PBS. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Sandy. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Plus, it's just good to visit. Haven't seen you guys in (laughs) 2024 yet. (laughs) All right, Packers of the Playoffs inspired the song you need to hear tonight, dedicated to Jordan Love and a playlist to get you psyched for the game. That's next on What's on Tap on WTMJ.